This morning, we are going to be talking about the battle. And um, uh, this is going to be at least a two-part message. As I was uh, looking at these notes again this morning, I had way too much content uh, even for this morning. So I'm going to kind of throw you off a little bit. And uh, we're only going to cover two of the four points. And to make you even more confused, uh, we're going to cover points two and four this morning. But uh, but we are in a battle. And again, we're reminded of um, uh, part of what the battle is uh, when we read of... Uh, this morning's shooting in Orlando, uh, Florida. And, uh, and that's one part of the battle, but that's not all the battle. And that's not what I am going to be addressing uh, in this, uh, this short series. I, I want to be talking about the, the battle that's inside of us. And there is a battle that occurs in our hearts and minds every single day. And uh, and God's word has something to say about that. Life is a battle. And there's nothing about life that's easy. This life is not a picnic. It's not a, a party. We live in a broken world. And it is a battle constantly. Um, I shared with uh, the ICS, uh, the graduating class, a couple weeks ago, and I talked about uh, the fact that, you know, as you're graduating from high school, no one's going to hand you a remote control, and you can just change life on the whim. You know, life doesn't operate that way. If, If life is going to change for you, it's not through a remote. It's by getting up and doing the hard thing. Doing the work. You know, it's been an interesting election uh, season. That we're not, that is, it's certainly not over. But I've been intrigued by, uh, Bernie Sanders' platform. And, uh, Bernie Sanders is not going to be elected president. Life isn't going to just hand you everything for free. You've got to get out there and earn it. And uh, and so as we look at this battle, you know, Scripture tells us that there's a cosmic battle, and we're going to be looking at that in a mo- in a moment. A cosmic battle between good and evil. And we are um, offered choices constantly. And uh, those choice, oftentimes those choices are good, but they're not necessarily best. And um, depending on the choices that you and I make in those battles will determine whether it will lead to blessing in our life or chaos. But when it comes to the battle personally, um, we need to fight. We need to understand that we 
are in a war. You know, uh, Scripture describes this Christian life in two different ways. The, the second most popular way of describing the Christian life is being a soldier. And the number one um, analogy of the Christian life is an athlete. But if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, follow his path for your life, the Bible describes this uh, this life as a fight, as a conqueror, we, that we must conquer, that we must strive, that we must battle, we must overcome. We must experience the victory. These are war terms. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it's in your outline this morning. Scripture says to fight the good fight of faith. Twice in that passage of Scripture, Paul tells us that we must fight. When Scripture tells us to do something twice, we better listen to what Scripture has to say. Because this battle that we are in is a fight and we need to be listening. We need to be fighting. And so, what should our attitude be in this life, in this fight? Well, we need to be taking it seriously. It's not a game. You know, we... We, we can't afford to approach this life frivolously. You and I need to take it seriously. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 26 says, Paul says, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing. You know, Paul isn't wasting his time. When Paul approached life, he approached it seriously. He lived his life in such a way that he might win. And when Paul described uh, his life at the end of Second uh, Timothy, Paul says, you know, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I am finishing the course strong. And that's God's desire for all of our lives, that we finish the race well, that we choose to be winners and fight the good fight. And so, yes, when it comes to this battle, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, it's a cosmic battle. Verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this age. This battle that we find ourselves in is a real battle. And yes, there is an outside battle, but there is an internal battle that's going on in our hearts and mind. And how we deal with that internal battle impacts the lives around us, uh, impacts our tomorrow. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. 
Not the cosmic battle. That cosmic battle is in, invisible, but the internal bout, battle, which is, inside, which is inside you. And what kind of war is this when we think uh, of this battle? It's a battle between the old you and the new you. If you're here this morning and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible describes you as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and the new has come. But when it comes to our new nature, that doesn't mean our old nature has been annihilated, that it is gone, never to be dealt with again. That's only going to come when Jesus returns. Yes, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus defeated the enemy, the war was won. But we are still in battles every single day of our life. And even though the old nature, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the old you has been crucified, it's still hanging around. It still wants to be resurrected. It still wants to be in control. And that's the battle that I want to talk about for the next few weeks. The battle inside of you. Look at Romans chapter 7. You have verses uh, 22 and 23 this morning in your outline, but I also want to read verses 24 and 25. Paul says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what I Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave of sin. And so when it comes to the Christian life, Paul's saying, you know what, I've got good intentions. I want to do the right thing. But my flesh, my old me, wants to raise up and influence me to do the wrong thing. How many can identify with what Paul's describing about himself in this passage? Okay, that's about 20% of you, and the rest of you are lying, okay? (laughs) We all struggle with this issue. Someone was describing the old and the new, and um, they asked the question, you know, he described it this way, it's kind of like two dogs in a fight. And there's the, the, the good dog, okay, the, the new dog, and then there's the old dog. And someone said, well, how do you know which dog is going to win? And uh, wise, one wise man said, one time, old man said, well, the dog that you feed the most. And so my question to you this morning, when it comes to the old you and the new you, what are you feeding the most? What are you focusing on the most? If you want the new you 
the new creation in Christ to win, you've got to feed that new nature. And if you're ignoring that new nature and what's best for your walk with the Lord, that old you is going to, it's going to eat your lunch. So yes, the old you has been crucified. But until Christ returns, that old nature is going to be there. It hasn't been annihilated yet. One day it will be. And I look forward to the day when I won't have to ever struggle with his old nature again. It's going to be all about the new. But in the meantime, there is a fight that is to be fought. And so that's what I want to look at um, this morning. And, and I, I want, we're going to look at four issues over the next couple of weeks. And that is far from an exhaustive list. Okay, But these are issues that uh, pop up regularly in all of our lives that uh, I want to look at this morning. So... The first, the first issue, first battle that we face is this. The battle between what's easy and what's right. The battle between what's easy and what's right. And we all face this internal battle. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. Another passage that describes uh, Paul's internal battle. In hours, he says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That describes my life and I know it describes yours as well. There is the flesh and then there's the Holy Spirit and struggling to uh, control, to influence the decisions that we are to make. That's the good and that's the bad of your life. And they are opposed to each other. And if you choose to feed the old dog, you know what happens in your life? It just creates more stress. Your life is continues to be chaotic, out of control, a mess. Jesus came and he died and he forgave to set you free from a life of slavery to sin. And you can find victory in your life, but you need to pay attention to the new you and feed the new you. What's the difference between the new and the old? Well, the new is willing to be patient. But the old, it wants it now. Like fast, food. The new, it wants to be organized. But the old is willing to settle for chaos. The new wants to be disciplined. But the old is out of control. The new pursues peace and serves, but the old is selfish 
and experiences conflict relationally and often. And oftentimes blames others for the conflict that they're experiencing. The new wants to be loving, but the old wants to focus on self. One of the reasons why it's so easy to um, settle for easy rather than doing what's right is fatigue. Okay, when we're tired, you know, when we're spent, it's easy to focus, to default to the easy. <clears throat> Yesterday, uh, Allison and Patrick took the older kids to uh, Knott's Berry Farm. It was uh, Logan's Logan's 10th birthday yesterday. And uh, so he wanted to go to the water park uh, at, in Knott's, Knott, at Knott's Berry Farm. And uh, it rained for most of the day. But... Uh, but Susan and I had uh, Macy, uh, the little, how old's Macy? 16 months old now? Close, close to? Uh, you have to be on point with Macy constantly. You can't close your eyes. Uh, you have to monitor wh- where she is at all times. And if you're a parent here this morning with a toddler, in your home, I'm sorry. <laughs> I understand your pain. And I so looked for, I, I love my little granddaughter, Macy, but I so looked forward to mom and dad coming back home uh, last night. But uh, it was interesting, uh, yesterday Susan was preparing dinner. And uh, while she was preparing dinner and I was in one of my fatigue stages... And I was sitting in my my recliner, and I was hearing this uh, conversation that was taking place between Grammy and um, Macy. And it wasn't a um, it was a stressful conversation. Susan was trying to prepare dinner and telling Macy at the same time to stop trying to turn the knobs on the oven and light the stove. And uh, I could tell that Susan was a little bit stressed out, stressed out. And here I am sitting in my recliner and I'm thinking, you know, it's just really easy just to ignore this conversation and uh, pretend like everything is fine. But, uh, but it wasn't the right thing to do. I needed to get up. And I needed to go and rescue Susan and distract my granddaughter. But that's the old us. You know, the old, the old you wants to focus on you. The old you wants to be selfish. The old you wants to do what's easy rather than what's right. And how do you get out of this rut? How do you break the negative cycle. Well, for one, you need to begin to focus on the long-term benefits rather than the short-term. Because you can do what's easy. And there are some convenient short-term benefits, but in the long run, if you do what's easy, 
it's going to lead to chaos. Conflict. We need to be looking at the long-term consequences, the long-term benefits. And Susan and I had to practice this on a regular basis when our kids were growing up. You know, I learned to count to three really well. You know, if, if our children weren't cooperating, you know, I would say one, two, and they knew exactly what was going to take place uh, after three. You know, one time I was trying to teach our kids how to count, and uh, they would count, they would kind of get stuck after three, and I would ask them, well, what comes after three? Spank! <laughs> you know? And, and when I was tired, when I was fatigued, and I was counting, I, I'm not proud of this, but sometimes I would go, I would get be a two, and I knew at three, and I had to get up. I didn't want to get up, and so I'd say, two and a half, two and three quarters. Nothing was changing, and I would say, oh, I give up. But that's not right either. Because if we give up, if I, if I just constantly gave up and became a permissive parents and my kids could do whatever, oh, that would be convenient for me. It wouldn't disrupt my schedule, but there would be long-term consequences for my kids. They, they would turn out in ways that I wouldn't like very much. You know, when they grow up, I want to like them. I don't want to despise them. But in order for them to be the way I envision them, what, what, the way I want them to be, I needed to be on point. I couldn't settle for what was easy. I needed to do what was right. And that's the same for all of us. And there is a battle in our minds and in our lives constantly. Am I going to do the easy thing? I'm going to do the right thing. And to break that cycle, you need to be thinking about the long-term benefits of doing what's right. That will encourage you to continue to do what's right. Where do you want to be in your tomorrow? Susan and I were thinking about that last fall. As we were anticipating two of our kids' weddings this summer, we wanted, we wanted things to change health-wise in our lives. Uh, we wanted to be a certain size and weight for wedding pictures this summer because we didn't like where we were at last fall. And uh, it was really easy to do what was easy, what was convenient, what was there in the cupboard. We had to do, we, we made the hard decision. And we chose to do, began to do what was right. 
And it's been a battle every single day. It has been a decision every single day. Am I going to do, am I going to eat what's right? Or if I'm gonna, am I going to settle for what my old me wants to have? And what kept us going? What we wanted to look like this summer in our kids' wedding pictures. And God has blessed that decision. But you know what? The battle isn't over come July 24th. This is a constant battle for the rest of our lives. This old me, it likes food. And if you put certain things in front of me, I have a hard time saying no. We went on the men's retreat a few weeks ago. And my wife had me transport the bat brownies to Lake Crawley. They were sitting in the front seat of my truck. <laughs> Vin, you didn't hear that, but Noah said, was there brownies up there at the retreat? Yeah. A few less than when I started with. Um, but, you know, I was I was sleepy. And I was trying to stay awake. And I thought, man, if I just keep eating those brownies, that will keep me awake and help me to get there. Uh, didn't work out so well. I gained, I gained nine pounds over that weekend. I was gone three days. I, I went on a... I went on a hike with my son's bachelor party on Saturday afternoon. I mean, this was, this was a moderate hike. I don't think it was a moderate hike. I think it was an aggressive hike. But I went on that, I still gained nine pounds. I have an old me that I have to say no to the rest of my life. And you've watched me when I've settled for easy rather than doing what's right. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, let us not get tired of doing what is right. Sometimes we get tired of of, of saying no and and choosing the right thing all, 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 all the time. But after a while... We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Don't give up, friend. This this is a fight worth fighting. You need to be in the in the fight and you need to be thinking, envisioning the long-term benefits. And that will keep you motivated. Don't settle for easy. So what are you fighting for this morning? Are you fighting for your kids? Don't settle for what's easy. And and I'm not saying, you know, abuse them. No, don't abuse them. But 
be there. You know, discipline them. Help guide them, love them, and nourish them. It's not about your conveniences. When you chose to be a, a, a parent, you sacrificed your Your life is no longer your own. They're for your kids. You need to fight for your kids. What kind of kids do you want them to grow up to be? Well, you need to be there as a parent. You're fighting for your marriage? What kind of marriage do you want to have tomorrow, 10 years from now? You can't settle for what's easy. It's easy to default to easy, but you got to do what's right. How about spiritual growth, spiritual maturity? Don't ignore that daily relationship with him. If you want to grow in your relationship with him, you've got to make the right choice, the right call every single day to spend time with God. You're going to blow it. You're going to stumble. But don't beat yourself up over it. There's plenty of days where I stumble when it comes to my diet. But I just got to pick myself up and choose to do the right thing tomorrow. It's not over. And that's the same with your spiritual life. So what is it that's not right in your life that you need to get mad about? You're disappointed because of the choices that you've made. I can't tell you the number of times. Susan and I uh, go uh, to uh, walk the... Um, the pathway up to college, uh, up to, uh, uh, Cerro Coastal College. It's two miles uphill. Really, two miles uphill. It's not two miles uphill down, but it's two miles up, two miles down. Uh, and I'm starting to run that last mile of, uh, uphill to the college. And, uh, you know what keeps me motivated? Sometimes I get mad at myself where I let myself get in this condition. And sometimes I'm not making the progress that I want to make. But I allow it to make me mad so that I can fight, so that I can work harder. What do you need to get mad about? You haven't made the right decisions up to this point. It's not over. You can make the changes, but again, you can't do what's easy. You gotta do what's right. <clears throat> I thought of, um, my yard. <laughs> I've been putting zero, uh, <clears throat> there's a, in my front yard, um, I have a neighbor that has this cottonwood tree. Uh, it was planted about, 10, 12 years ago, and uh, and I've watched this tree grow up over the years, and I've been watering this tree, okay? This tree was planted next to her driveway, so on one side of the tree, it's just concrete, but on my side of this tree, it's green grass, 
and I've been watering this this tree uh, for years. And for many of those years, I settled for what was easy. You know, I didn't like that tree there, but uh, you know, I I I learned to deal with it. And occasionally, a root would pop pop up at the surface, and uh, and I would cut it out. Sometimes I would put poison on that root because you know I didn't want those roots in my yard. Um, but I was just I was just doing the band aid thing. Well, it got to the point where I had to do major surgery. You know, uh, this uh, this last winter, that cottonwood tree, about halfway up that cottonwood tree, it tumbled over and uh, fell on our fence, the fence that we share, broke our fence. And uh, I said to myself, well, enough is enough. I can't just be digging up roots, roots occasionally. I need to take these roots out of my yard. And I didn't realize uh, how infiltrated these roots were in my yard. I, I went to go tear up some of my lawn, and I tried to put the shovel into my sod, and I couldn't get it beyond the blade of grass right there on top of my, my lawn. I was thinking to myself, man, this is a huge project. I am never going to be able to complete this project. So I needed, I had to enlist uh, John Gilliland's help. And he brought in a backhoe, and his backhoe tore up all of those roots. You know, and I, it became a major project and it wasn't even done uh, after uh, John had done his work with the backhoe um, I had to put in the zeroscape I had this creative idea but I had to do hard work and it was amazing how hard this soil was um, there was a reason why these this cottonwood tree, the roots were just growing just beneath the surface of the sod. Because below the sod, the dirt, the ground was hard as rock. It was like asphalt. And uh, we brought some landscapers in to put in a pathway for our front yard. And the landscaper told me, this is the hardest soil I have ever worked with in Ridgecrest. That's saying a lot. But in order for this to happen, it wasn't, a band-aid approach wasn't going to cut it. I had to make war. I had to get mad get mad, and make some serious changes for this to take place. What's going on in your life? Is your personal life in conflict? Is it in chaos? You need to be get mad about where you're at right now and make the choices to change. Paul says, fight the good fight. Oh, there's going to be some weary times, but don't give up hope. Because in time, you will reap a harvest. Continue to look at the long-term 
benefits. Uh, the, 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 the person, the people, the, the relationships that you want to be there in the future. And keep striving. It is worth the fight. And why should we exert all this energy? Why should we fight? It's because, my friend, God loves you. God is for you. God wants your new you to win. He wants you to to experience the victorious Christian life. And this fight is worth fighting. Which brings me to number two, and that's where we're going to conclude today and pick it up next week. In order for you to win the battle, you need to understand the difference between the truths and the lies that your mind is listening to. Okay? You don't just settle for what's easy. Do what's right. But know the difference between the truth and... And the lives. And I want to settle in this morning on the great uh, commandments. Many of you know it already, but uh, someone asked Jesus one day, what is the most important commandment? And uh, when he was asked that question, it wasn't not, it wasn't just about the Ten Commandments at that time. It had be, it had ballooned into over 400 commandments. And so that could be overwhelming for a Jew. And, and, uh, and, and he wanted to know from Jesus' mouth, what's the most important? What's the crux of the matter? Jesus said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, Jesus says. And your neighbor as yourself. You know what the second most important relationship other than God is in your life? The second most important is not your neighbor. It's you. Now, that may sound counterintuitive, and that's not something that you've grown up to, to hear, to appreciate. You know, I, when, uh, when it, you know, I, I remember, and I've preached this, um, you know, what is the priority of our relationships? Well, Jesus is first, others is second, and you are third. Joy, that, that acrostic. But, that's true, but when it comes to relationships, you know who you spend more time with than anyone else? You. You. You, other than God, you are your most important relationship. You talk to you more than anybody else. Right? You know, we know all those conversations that take place in our head. Now, if you're take, if those conversations are taking place audibly, then maybe you need to go see somebody. But there's always a conversation occurring. 
And sometimes that conversation was is with the Spirit of God. And sometimes it's with the enemy. And the enemy, Satan, our accuser, wants to destroy our lives. <clears throat> Loving God with our mind is really important. And one of the ways you can love him with your mind is reminding yourselves of how God feels about you. You need to learn to love you. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself about how God feels about you? You know what the Bible says. But have you taken the time to really remind yourselves and know this personally? What does God say about you? Well, look at First uh, John, First John, chapter four. Verses seven through ten, and we're going to come come back and camp out in this again next week. But uh, this is what um, the apostle John says in verse seven, beloved. Chapter four, verse seven. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that he might live, so that I, we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God loves you immensely. And we look at that and we hear that and yeah, right, I've heard that my whole life. I believe that. No, we need to camp out on that. What does God say about you? God says he loves you. God says you are a beautiful treasure to him. He treasures you. And we learn that from Exodus uh, chapter 19 and the children of Israel. God treasured uh, the children of Israel as his own children. Guess what? If your life is in Christ, you are a child of God and he treasures you. You are precious to him. God has forgiven you. God made his son a propitiation. The death of Christ fully satisfied the heart of God. His, his wrath, his anger was appeased towards you. And you are not never going to face the consequences, the eternal consequences of punishment of your sin. He 
forgives you both of his, your past and your present and your future. It's all been erased. That's how God sees you as you are completely justified. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. You are covered in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't give you license. Well, if I am completely forgiven, I can go out and do my own thing. No, safe people don't talk that way. It's not a license for you to do whatever because God's going to hold you to a higher standard. Okay? And so we are to live our lives a certain way. God has a higher standard for our life. But when we blow it, you know, he's going to treat us with grace and mercy. And we will suffer. We will experience the consequences of those poor choices. But with his grace and his mercy, he will discipline us as his very own children. The Bible says this about who we are in Christ. The Bible also talks about that we as his children have a special calling. We are now his ambassadors. We represent him. We're a child of God. We are a child of the king. God's word tells us that all of heaven is cheering for you and I to succeed. God loves you immensely. And nothing you do is going to change that. Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But my question to you this morning is, do you love you? Do you see you as God sees you? And you need to have a conversation with you. This is how God sees me. I am completely forgiven. I am his treasure. I am precious in the eyes of God. I don't always hear that voice. I don't always pay attention to that promise. And there's an accuser out there who wants to convince you that you're not worthy of the love of God. I'm not worthy to stand up here before God's people and say, thus saith the Lord. If people knew the real me, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. That's what the accuser wants you to believe. And we need to be listening to the truth over the lie. And my friends, you need to fight for you. You need to love you as God loves you. Because as you, if you truly be- believe and love the way God loves you, it's going to impact the relationships around you. You're going to be a person who can forgive rather than carry 
bitterness. You're a person who's going to want to uh, work out difficult relationships that are in conflict, and you will have relationships of peace rather than strain. I could go on. Verse 19 of of, of 1 John 4 says this. We love because he first loved us. We need to be convinced of the love of God in our lives. And that's what separates Christianity uh, from Islam. You know, when it comes to the pure religion of Islam, you know, it's all about control. It's all about intimidation and domination. If you're not a follower of the laws of Allah, you are an infidel. And if you don't change, you are to be executed. And when it comes to the religion of Islam, it's a religion of fear, control, uh, intimidation, and power. But that's not Christianity. When we understand all that God has done for us, and how much he loves us and has forgiven us of and has called us to that higher standard. And when we fall short, treats us with grace and mercy, but holds us accountable. We are his ambassadors. And he gives us the heart to love and to serve others and not be selfish. And God uses that to plant seeds in others who need to know Christ. We are in a battle, friends. And Paul tells us to fight the good fight. And my prayer for us that we can declare at the end of our life that we have fought the fight. We have finished the race. We have done what God has called us to do. And if you're not going to grow weary, if you're not going to stop, again, you need to be thinking of the long-term benefits of how God will bless your life and the lives of the people around you as you do it His way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. And we take that so much for granted. And it's so easy to listen to the lies of the enemy. And I believe that there are many defeated Christians in this room right now 
Because they've settled for what was easy. They've gotten tired of doing the right thing. And God, they, they've lost the vision. They've lost the long-term benefits. And they've allowed the enemy to convince them that they're a failure. God, in your eyes, there's nothing that can separate us from your love. God, I pray that you would encourage your children to fight, to get mad about where they are presently and choose to do the right thing. We're going to stand in a moment and we're going to sing a song. If you're here this morning and you need further prayer, oh, we have elders in the dining hall, their wives, who would love to pray with you this morning. I want to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to connect with God. Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus? Today, if you've never made that decision to cross the line of faith and say, God, I give up, I surrender. I want you to take the wheel of my life. We want to invite you to dismiss yourself and and allow us to be able to share with you how you can have a relationship with our living Lord and Savior, Jesus. He wants to transform your life. Birth the new you in your heart and life. Thank you, Father. May your word become a reality in all of our lives this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's worship. If you need to pray with someone this morning, dismiss yourself and let's go and pray in the dining room.